just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. My name's Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence, the show where we dive into the world of influence and persuasion to help you build ethical influence and become a powerfully persuasive communicator. Each week, I speak to guests from the world of public speaking, presentation skills, psychology, neuroscience, marketing, personal branding, secret service, influencers, and more besides. The goal of this show is to help you to understand how influence and persuasion work, to be able to build your authority in your industry and to become a better communicator to get your message out into the world and to change and positively affect people's lives and businesses, including your own. This week, my guest is a very experienced business coach and also an expert speaker. And we talk about things like developing clout with your business and what that really means. A lot about the integrity of authenticity, something that comes up frequently on the show. And we explored things in some very interesting ways. So this was an interesting and fun conversation with Steve Smith. And I hope you will enjoy and check Steve out as well. For me, this is a well-nuanced conversation and also very well-balanced. Both of us speaking from our expertise and able to have a really fun discussion around things that will be relevant to you becoming a powerfully persuasive communicator. So all that remains for me to say is enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. If you're a coach, speaker, or course creator and would like to have a simple online ecosystem for your business where you can create funnels, build an integrated website, sell and host courses and live programs, build your list with lead magnets, manage your sales, create communities, and so much more in a way that is affordable and fully supported, you'll love New Zendler. You can try everything out for free. And if you love it, you can register for monthly or discounted annual billing. It's more cost-effective than most other similar platforms. Don't pay for a multitude of services you have to then link up manually. Get an online solution that does everything you need in one place. Find the link in the show notes and try New Zendler as the all-in-one solution for your business today. I am very pleased today to be joined in the Speaking Influence Studios by an expert speaker and trainer, someone who is really going to help us get in touch with understanding how to translate influence and persuasion into our lives and to understand our authentic selves and really get ourselves motivated, do the inner work to get the outer results. His name is Steve Smith. Welcome to the show, Steve. Johnny, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to speaking to you, Steve. For the audience's benefit, tell us a little bit more about your background and how you came to be doing what you do now. Well, before I started coaching business executives about 13 years ago, my entire career was in uh, the consumer products manufacturing field. 
And I worked for a few really large companies who were just set on providing training and exposure to people that they were trying to move up the ranks. And, and I had my share of, of moving up the ranks during that time. But one of the things I caught on to early on was just about every single week, you were in some type of presentation mode. You were either presenting to a team, you were presenting to a group of people above you that needed to put their rubber stamp on something you wanted to do. You were presenting to a, a sales meeting or a national company meeting at the end of the year. So there were always opportunities to be in front of any number of folks to convey either your thoughts or information or something you wanted them to be able to latch onto and leave the meeting thinking about. And so after doing that for years, I realized that there's ways to actually get into that in, in a very clear, confident way and actually get things done as opposed to just being up there and moving your mouth and everybody looking at their watch and saying, how long is this going to take? Right. And so for people that learn these techniques, it's a complete game changer in terms of your confidence about wanting to speak in public. Yeah. Now, I, I know I speak about this on my show a lot. So people who tune into the show regularly might sort of think, oh, you know, this, this old chest now, but, but I never know when it's somebody's first time listening to the show. And it's always interesting to see people's answers to this, but how important do you see presentation skills being in the professional world these days? For me, presentation skills are the equivalent of building a brand for a company. Because many times if you're presenting to a business group, you know, if you're in the small business arena, you may have plenty of opportunities to present to people that you've never met before. And sometimes that may be the only opportunity that they have to personally experience you prior to going to your website, looking at your products or services, doing other things that, that might lead them to being a customer, a client, a partner, something that would help you with your business. So yeah. learning how to speak publicly and do it very well, it's worth untold amounts of money. In fact, I know people who do that as opposed to dumping a lot of money into marketing and branding, and it serves them well. I mean, it's unbelievable how well it works. Yeah. Could we then aim to define what the cost of not doing that would look like for people? Now, here's the way I, I tell people anytime they want to get into some type of public speaking. It works well when you do it well. If you don't do it well, don't do it. It's the equivalent of being on a professional website like LinkedIn. If you're not going to get on there and go big and, and, and be robust and make yourself look important so that other people are gravitated to you, it's better that you just stay off the site. So public speaking kind of works the same way. If you're not going to take the time to learn the techniques, to evaluate yourself, because not everybody looks the same and we all shouldn't but you know, your personality, but you need to do the practice. You need to do all the basic things to give yourself that, that natural flow that other people just get, they, they gravitate to. If you're not willing to go the length to do that, don't just stand up there and just say, gee, over time I'll get better because you may not have, you may not get the opportunities to yeah. come back. At, at what point do the clients you work with come to you and say, Steve, I need help. The clients that I work with that usually need that kind of help are more on the entrepreneurial small business side where they don't have the luxury of a giant brand and, and mega budgets to push out the message of what their company does. Many times, if they're in a professional service type business, they are the face of the company. And at some point after we get through the low hanging fruit of figuring out how they're marketing themselves and are all the basics basically put together. So if somebody actually connects with them, they know what to do from there. After that, it's like, okay, let's talk about the outreach. 
what is it you would like to do? What have you thought about doing? There's a lot of different choices. Not everybody needs to do everything. And certainly we should figure out what works best for you. But that's usually, that conversational usually opens up the idea of, have you thought about public speaking? Because you may have a very interesting business that not too many people know about. That's yeah. a great way to get that word out to your target audience, to let them know a little more about what you do and why you might be unique from the other selections that people have. Yeah. And I, I will often be heard saying that public speaking and presentation skills, which are not necessarily the same thing, although very, very, very similar, that they are a critical leadership skill. Would you agree? Yes, because I think it, leadership at its basic core is having the clarity about where, what you want as an end result, where you're going with everything, how best to use your resources. And do you really understand what your audience is looking for? When I get calls to, to present to organizations or industry associations, my first question is tell me about the audience, tell me what they're expecting. And, and a true leader is interested in the team, in the group, the people that he or she, they're guiding. They want to know what are these people expecting? Where are they coming from? And if you incorporate that same mentality into your public speaking, you're going to hit more home runs than not. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if you're not connecting with that audience, you're going to come off flat. It doesn't matter how good a present presenter you are or how well your slides are done. If you miss the mark on the message, it's not going to work. What then, in your opinion, are the core important elements that people need to develop and work on to have that gravitas, that kind of ability to stand up there and be seen as a leader? Well, the first one I suggest, and this is probably the hardest thing for people to get over is get comfortable looking at yourself speaking. And there's a variety of ways you can do that. You know, in zoom, it's a little tough because most of the time we're just seeing ourselves from the kind of from the shoulders up. Mm -hmm. But if you have the ability to speak and have somebody film you with a camera, with a video phone, get comfortable seeing how you present yourself now, because the only way you can get better is to see what you look like currently. And a lot of people have trouble with that. Yeah, I'm sure you've been on meetings before on Zoom where you have some people that don't want to turn the camera on. It's yeah. because they don't want to see themselves and you have to get over that because you have to know what everybody else is looking at. Right. And if there are things you're doing that are distracting from your message, from your presentation, from trying to make that connection with your audience, you have to figure that out early and figure out how to get rid of it or how to do something different to override. So that's the first thing I would say is get comfortable knowing what you look like when you're in presentation mode. The second thing I think, and this is what people that are new to speaking tend to trip up on quite quickly, learn how to learn how to reduce what it takes for you to get your message across. The first thing that people are going to recognize in someone that's inexperienced and really nervous is that they talk excessively. They're off track, they're backtracking, they're saying a lot, they're, they're using a lot of filler. And that can be very aggravating because the average person can hear and process what you say at three times the speed that you say it. So you really have to choose your words carefully and be yeah. confident enough to deliver your message in as few words as possible. So I, I work with people a lot on their diction, on their delivery, so that they're confident getting the message across without a lot of excess words, which just cause people to just go numb at some point. Yeah. Pairing it the down. The third thing is just understand your message. We, you can't, everybody can't get up on the stage and talk about any possible topic. You have to really zone in on what you're known for. 
And that's a real good kind of a self-selector because what you want, if, if organizations or companies call you and want you to come speak to them, you want them to say, gee, we've watched this video or we've heard this. We know that this is something you're good at. Would you come talk to us about that? Right. And that builds confidence and it keeps you in a narrow field of not having to worry about, oh my God, I don't know what to say about that. I'm going to have to go study. I mean, you don't want to go down that road. So the bottom line is get used to yourself in presentation mode. So you know what you look like. You learn how to deliver without excessive words and then have a really good narrow set of topics, maybe three or four topics that all blend within your area of expertise that you can talk about that other people know about. Yeah. I think that's not just good advice for speaking. That's probably good advice for online brand and marketing as well. Absolutely. To, to have those kinds of things. I think it applies. And, and I guess this is really just a more of an in-person way of branding and marketing yourself. And it's, speaking is a part of that for sure. Even if you're speaking in a business capacity. Well, in so much of last year's speaking, and, and certainly I did met much of this, my, was in virtual mode because people weren't opening up their facilities. Nobody wanted to meet in, in the usual conference places or other types of business facilities. So everything was being done online. And that in and of itself can have certain amounts of stress for people because whether you realize it or not, there are some benefits to speaking in person. You can draft off of the audience's energy. The first time you get a a nice rousing laugh, or you get heads nodding that tell you you're on that right track. You're saying things that are resonate with that helps the speaker that starts getting you into that, that confidence mode that allows you to really kind of turn it on and be yourself. A lot of that goes away in, in virtual mode. And yeah. so then you have to really, really be good in order to convey the same kind of energy and enthusiasm in a world where you, for, for the most part, you can't see anybody that you're talking to. Yeah. I, I had an interesting start on my virtual speaking and presenting career because mine started long before uh, COVID and all of this. Uh, I started doing online coaching and training about 10, 11 years ago. Okay. And, uh, and I remember I was being trained by some very well-known professionals, a lot of people who a lot of people would have heard of. And the one thing they kept saying to me over and over again is you have to bring the energy, you have to turn it up. And uh, I even remember them saying to me, if you can't do it, we'll find someone who can. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I better, better work on this then. But I did. And that lit a fire and, and got me to do it. And, and it, I've always understood since then that you, you don't have to be super high energy. You know, some people go really over the top with it, go a bit crazy with it, which I think can really turn people off. But just turning your energy up a few notches is usually enough without it, hopefully without it becoming like high speed and a, a bit crazy and disjointed and disconnected and all those kinds of things, but keeping it just that bit of higher level energy for online presenting work is absolutely critical. Well, and that's why I go back to my first point about getting comfortable watching yourself. And certainly in our virtual world today, there's all kinds of ways for you to record yourself giving a presentation and then going back and looking at it and just asking yourself, because the camera doesn't lie, it's going to show you exactly what it's recording. And that will allow you to say, gee, was my energy there? If I listen to myself, am I motivated? And if you're not, then that's a, a real, that's a cue that you really need to figure out how to bring up your, maybe your voice, but tonality right. is everything. And if you just learn how to bring it up just enough with the right spots, how to learn how to pause 
how to make your diction and your delivery interesting as opposed to monotone, all of those things can add to people's desire to engage what you're saying and not start looking at their watch or answering their phone or turning their screen off and going to the bathroom. I mean, any number of things people do to just eat up time until it's over. Yeah. So you really have to be aware of how you come off, how you use hand gestures, facial expressions, all of these things that are part of you that are just accentuated just a little bit can really go a long way without you coming across looking like maybe this isn't really who he is when he's, when it's in his personal life. Cause when you, when, if people get the feeling that what they're seeing on stage or on camera, isn't exactly real, that's you're dead right there. At, at that point they're clicking off, they're going to something else. Yeah. I, I had that experience when I very first started out and, and whilst it was a bit unpleasant to in the, I, I got fairly well trolled on YouTube. At the time, I took the video down and realized it wasn't very authentic and probably the the criticism that I got was fair enough. Although there is a part of me that, and other people have said, you should have just left it up. It's a good example of, for me doing it wrong, but I can look back and say, yeah, I was trying to be something that wasn't very authentic to me, but was what I thought a presenter should be, what I thought someone doing well on YouTube should be like, and I'm sure some people may start out that way, but what really brings people in is like you say, the authenticity feeling not that they need to know everything about you, but that you are a real person and, and this isn't just an act. Yes. Super important stuff. What in your opinion would be the key traits then of influence for a speaker or presenter or anyone really? Well, I think whether you're in a leadership role in a business or you're doing public speaking for your own business or your occupation, I think people need to have a feeling that you are confident in what you're talking about. If you're confident, your whole delivery is going to be more at ease. You're going to feel better about what you're saying. And certainly maybe if it's a small enough venue and there's an opportunity to field questions. That's when you really need to be confident about what you're doing. I'll give you an example. Before COVID hit, I was doing quite a bit of local speaking through chambers and other business organizations. And sometimes when you're in a group of maybe 30 or 40 people, which is, that's intimate. All right. I would say something and I would start to see people in the audience pulling their phones out and, and I'm like, what are they doing? So after the first time this happened, we knew we were done. I, I sat down. At, at a break, I went over to the lady that was uh, coordinating the whole event. And I said, I noticed people in the audience were on their phone. It was like they're text messaging or something. She goes, oh no. She goes, they're Googling what you're saying to find out if it's right or not. <laughs> and I, I mean, know. I'm sure she looked at the expression on my face and thought, you didn't know that, did you? And I know I didn't. And so now what you have to realize if you're going to be authentic. And if you're going to come off as an authority in the area that you're speaking, you really got to know your stuff because people are fact-checking you every minute that you're up there talking and they may not say anything to you directly, but they may go on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever they saw the advertisement that you were speaking that day. And they may put some comments in that aren't all that, that nice or flattering. And so I tell people, look, know your stuff really well. Know it well enough that you can accept other points of view without feeling like you're off track and you have to defend yourself. Really know your stuff well. And that can only come with practice and with, with delivery and with looking over the message you're taking people through for 10, 20, 
30 minutes, however long you're going to be up there, understand what it is as a primary point you want everybody to walk away from. If you can get that down, everything else you build around it eventually ends with that and you get a much better presentation, much yeah. better. Yeah, I, I was having a conversation, I think it was last month on an episode with a, a guy called Simon Raybould and, and one of the things that we were saying is that how it does undermine people's credibility if they're saying stuff that is factually incorrect. And if you know that it's incorrect, and, and you see people can check this on their mobiles, but a lot of the time there may be people in the audience who just know. So in the public speaking world, we often will get a lot of people who quote the Albert Moravian study and they quote it incorrectly. And they say like something like, I forget what the percentages are now, like 77 or 78 percent of communication is body language, which of right. course isn't what the study actually says. Right. And, uh, and so when you hear somebody misuse it or misquote it, it's hard to take their credibility seriously. It's like, well, I guess they don't know what they don't know, but it's hard to trust somebody who wasn't getting the, some of the basic facts right. Well, about, about six or seven years ago, when I was still building out my business, I had developed uh, quite a few colleagues in, in various types of businesses. And one guy that I developed a friendship with one day calls me up and he says, I'm going to a marketing conference up in LA. And he goes, they're they're because I've paid for it. They're offering me a free seat to anybody I want to bring. And I thought, okay, well, I know that. I mean, these guys are trying to fill seats at some point. And this conference center had about, held about 300 people and they wanted to make sure it was full. So I said, sure. I hadn't been to one of these in a while. I'll go and see what I can learn. And the gentleman that was giving the, the conference was actually a very, very well-known figure in the music industry years ago. He was the general manager for Guns N' Roses and, and Journey. And so he had built up quite a fan base for that. And he was trying to morph it into what he called rockstar marketing. Okay. And so I went there and it was, it was well orchestrated. It was your typical small business, you know, conference on marketing techniques and things of that nature. And he handed out everybody a, a, a book that was about maybe two and a half inch thick of the binder. So there was a lot of material we were going to go through in that two and a half days. Well, throughout the first day, as I'm going through this and he's talking, and he's sliding in little tips and techniques because he wanted people to have actual things that they could work with. And I started noticing how much of the information he was conveying was dated. It didn't work that way today. And Cause you know, let's face it in the marketing industry, stuff changes rapidly. And what worked at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year, may not work at the beginning of next year. It, it stuff changes quickly. And he's delivering a lot of tips and techniques that I knew in some cases for, for social media, we're not going to work at all. And so at lunch, I, I got to hold of my friend. I said, how well do you know this guy? And he says, oh, I'm in his mastermind group and we've done all these great things. And I said, well, most of the stuff he's talked about this morning, isn't actually real or current. It's dated. It's stuff that's, that doesn't work as well as it used to do three or four years ago. Yeah. And he just wasn't willing to hear it. He was just too much embedded in this guy's persona and connections and things like that. But I walked away from that whole conference realizing if you're going to seek information and strategies and tips and be able to improve in areas like marketing or like sales, you really better check out the gurus that you're following. Because a lot of these folks, they've done a super job of building a persona that people just love to attach themselves to. And of course, go to seminars and spend thousands of dollars on books and tapes and videos and stuff. You got to make sure these folks really know what they're talking about. <laughs> we'll return to the show in just a few moments. 
Like me, you have a message to share with your audience and it's important. In fact, it could change their lives. But first, you need to be very clear about two things. Exactly who are you trying to help and what can you offer them that no one else can? Because it all starts there and it's all about your brand. Brandface sponsors this podcast and they help people just like you to define, develop and display a brand that positions you as an authority. It's time to make sure you stand out. Find out more at learnaboutbrandface.com. That's learnaboutbrandface.com. Now, back to speaking influence. Yeah, it's funny because I, I regularly get recommendations. I like, you know, I mentioned to you that I ask my guests for book recommendations and things like that. And, and sometimes the recommendations will be from people who I think are snake oil salespeople or, uh, or charlatans in the industry, but it's, well, that's my opinion. It's not necessarily true. Right. They don't share that opinion, but right. you know, if, if there was time to go into it, I would explain why I have that, that opinion of them and, and it hasn't just come from nowhere, but yeah, it, it's interesting. Everyone has their own different perspectives. It, it, sometimes even when you do have the data in front of you, if it conflicts too much, if you get into the, this level of cognitive dissonance with it, where it just conflicts too much with something you either really want to believe or you've just believed for so long or maybe you're even locked into believing it because you might have based part of your career around it absolutely then absolutely. you're not going to be willing to change or take it take that on yes yes it's it's a fascinating area neuroscience the, the study of neuroscience is, is developing super fast and whilst it's still a, an early days industry we're learning so much more and so much of it that's coming out is debunking a lot of the stuff that people have been teaching as common thought or as reality for a number of years. So it's well, and that kind of connects with something else that I find some of the younger people that I coach, um, many times they're, when I talk to them about certain behaviors, certain mindsets, getting yourself in a certain way so that you show up authentically all the time. You've created a persona for yourself. Many times they're like, they have nowhere to start. So I'll tell them, let's do, and, and this concept, I didn't invent this. It's been around for a long time. It's called patterning. Find someone in your industry that you could, you could serve as maybe your mentor because you like their style. Maybe it resonates with you. Maybe you get the sense that you could be like them, that their personality is somewhat in the same box as yours and start watching them, start listening to them, seeing how they present things, what they talk about, where they tend to take their message, how they present and pattern yourself off of them. Use them as the benchmark for what you want to be. That's a great way to build yourself up and really become the professional that you want to be. If you're at the early stage of your career, you just have to make sure you do enough vetting so you're following the right person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've heard it referred to as modeling, but it's very much the same kind of thing. And it is that thing of, as well, having to find that line between not just trying to impersonate somebody, but actually trying to find the, be more like them in certain ways, but still yourself without losing yes. who you are in the process. And that's something that I think people often have a challenge with, especially in the earlier days of it, of not losing themselves. I say, you see a lot of people trying to be the next Tony Robbins and they're going on stage and they're trying to be Tony. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily their authentic energy and that's not who they are. So right. uh, yeah, unless they are a clone of Tony, then 
and it's, well, it's not much of a chance, but. And, and I followed Tony Robbins off and on for a lot of years. I mean, it, early in my career, my company had invited him to a national sales meeting to give a presentation and he was much, much younger, you know, than he is now. But when you talk about modeling, and that's a really good term, modeling, because you're right, you're taking the essence. You're not actually trying to copy them for yourself. It's important to really take a look at the lifespan of that person that you're looking at, because Tony Robbins today is very different than he was 40 years ago when he was starting out. When he was first starting out, the guy was like on fire all the time. He was jumping around. He had energy, just unbelievable. You got tired looking at him sometimes. Yeah. And today he's a little more measured in his delivery, still has that spark, still has that insight and that stuff that people really love, but his whole delivery is different. So if you find somebody that you really like and you'd like to model yourself after them, just make sure you their own trajectory so you know which part of them you're prepared to duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> there, there used to be a show when I was a kid and I, pe people of uh, a certain generation, and maybe it was even on uh, in the US, I don't know, it's called Joe 90 and it was like one of these puppet shows. It was a Jerry Anderson puppet show, like the Thunderbirds kind of thing. And there's this little kid and his dad was a scientist and he'd have these special glasses that he'd have to sit in this thing and, and he would have the skills and knowledge of an airline pilot, a fighter pilot or something like that, or a secret agent plugged into him. And every time he'd put these glasses on, he'd have all of that stuff. It, it was obviously it's a kid stuff, but that's a good way to think about it <laughs> in terms of this is something you do want to be able to put on and take off at least in that sense. So you, you just want to be looking at the skills and the traits and the, the, the how to, the kind of knowledge base and things like that, that you need to be able to deliver, to be more like that rather than trying to actually do more of a invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing <laughs> and take over their life. That's good. Excellent. What do you think helps to give people, I think you've referred to it as clout, more clout in, uh, in their leadership, in their presentations? Okay. Clout is an interesting term because if you actually look it up in the dictionary, there's two very distinct definitions for it. One, you want to try to emulate the other one you want to stay away from. The first one is usually that you've hit somebody on the head. You know, that's a very old term for clouding somebody, smacking them on the head. Obviously we don't want to go there. But yeah. when you start looking at the more influential definition of it, it's really, it's having a, a and I'm going to use the word again, a persona, almost like a reputation that people already know that if they can somehow get you in their world, or if they can become associated with you, that their world is going to be better because you have the confidence, you have the know-how, you have the ability to get things done with other people. There's just a certain thing about when you show up, good things happen. That's clout in the business world. And if you can develop that over time, it does wonderful things for you in terms of partnerships, opportunities, any things that other people might struggle for weeks, months, and years trying to develop, you just naturally become a magnet for, for things that you want. Now, along the way, and I've coached people in the past who, who actually have achieved this and realized that you look. Not everything is rosy. There's consequences. A lot of times you get unwanted invites for things that you really don't want to deal with. So you have to learn after a while how to manage that reputation so that you ward off things that are just not right for you. And if you don't like saying no all the time to everybody, but that's what cloud is. It's that ability to almost have your reputation, your personality precede you in the room. And when you get to that point, it, it really does. If you're in the kind of business where your face is the business, that's what mine is. 
it really does help open doors that otherwise you would struggle to get through. Yeah. And, and that's important. I'm, I'm working with, uh, Chris Ducker. If you've ever heard of Chris, he's, he's the guy who wrote rise of the youpreneur. And that's very much about building a business of your, of around you, around your personality, your brand, your expertise, and having that kind of thing, which is what we're talking about here. What are the things, or what sort of point do you get to a level where you know that that's starting to work? I mean, what are the things and what are the things that would be indicators of that? Okay. And, and this, I've had this happen many, many times in my own coaching practice. And it's what happens when I'm working with somebody and they recognize that they have a deficiency in, in maybe in communication in, in relationship building, uh, there's just something that they've never really done well. So as a result, they just shy away from it. At some point they rise up in their organization. They realize I can't shy away from this anymore. I have to figure out how to overcome this. So we start talking about what it is that's holding them back, what skills and abilities, and specifically what kind of mindset do they have to have? in order to project a new and different person. And of course, it always ends up coming around to where they say, well, how do I know if it's working? And I tell them, don't worry about that. It will show up and tell you. So as an example, and I've had clients actually call me up and just say, I, I gave this presentation and I had people come up to me and say, this was tremendous. We have noticed a significant change in you over the last several months. People are very quick to criticize, but not so quick to, to tell you what you're doing well. But when you right. get those, that's a clear indication that you have made a course correction that other people are picking up on. So what I tell people is figure out who you are at your core, figure out how to be as authentic and have as much um, integrity with delivering that up as possible. Do what you say you're going to do. All right. And over time people around you will start to notice that change, especially if it's fairly significant from the way you've been operating in the past. And eventually when it hits home with others, they will find a way to tell you. And when you get that feedback, especially if it's unsolicited, you're gold. That's the best feedback you can get is when people just naturally come up to you and say, we've been watching you and we're really impressed with XYZ. And if XYZ is what you've been working on, you know, you're getting there. You're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Do you ever get people who are very unclear on who they really are and what their authenticity is? And if you do, how do you help them find that? I have had a few people that have been stuck in that mode and typically what I find, and it's not part of where I like my coaching to go, but sometimes it goes here. What we find out sometimes is that people are just in the wrong profession. They've been trying to convince people around them in their business and their company and their marketplace that this is who they are and this is what they do and this is what they love. This is their passion. And then all of a sudden through very guided conversations, because our, our coaching sessions are, are very free space, but you can say whatever you want. It's not going anywhere else. And so people now wake up and they say, you know what? I really don't enjoy this the way I thought I was going to. In fact, this thing over here is what I really love. And so now the question becomes, what do you want to do with that? Do you want to actually move into a different occupation at 48 years old? Mm. Or do you want to figure out how to make the one you're in now, the one you invested in highly successful? And so then they have to come up with that decision. But I try to tell people passion. There's a lot of discussion about passion. If you're going to be good, you got to be passionate. People have to feel that passion. 
Passion's great. Passion's fuel. It drives your energy. It's not always the thing that you should be spending your life's work on. I mean, I, I love riding motorcycles. My wife and I tour on motorcycle on our motorcycle a lot. So I'm passionate about riding. I have no interest in, in, in having a motorcycle repair shop. It's a hobby that I love, but I like to keep it separate from my, my business professional life. Sure. So it's really a matter of figuring out what it, what is your internal GPS telling you? Where, where do you find yourself showing up in a repeated fashion that maybe you weren't pre-thinking about, you were just there. Let's figure out what you should be doing, or maybe what you need to do differently within the job you have and get you to that point. Because once you really know, and you feel it internally, it's much easier to bring that out, that authenticity to everybody else around you. It's when you're trying to force something from the inside out and everybody around you is saying, I don't, I'm not buying that. That's it. That doesn't seem real. That's yeah. the problem. I, I can remember doing an exercise in a speaking training one time that was all about authenticity and, and it was actually based on someone else's work. So the, the company that were teaching it were, got us to stop teaching it because it wasn't their stuff. But uh, that's, that aside, it was this thing of essentially turning around someone and saying, this is me, this is who I am. And people would keep looking at you directly into your eyes and you had to keep saying this uh, and until they believed you, essentially. And what the point they believed you, they would turn around. Uh, and it's, it was a very raw feeling having people staring deep into your eyes and, and really sort of being in this sort of, this is me, this is who I am. And then thinking, well, what is it about even just saying those lines or, or how I'm saying it or what I'm doing? And the more you repeat that, I, I think at some points things do start to click or you start to feel a certain energy and a, a certain shift. It was an interesting exercise that ultimately helped people start to recognize how important their authenticity is in their believability. You know, I, I got a lot from, I got a lot from that in debt is when you think you know, people need to be able to look into your eyes and see, oh yeah, you're really on this. This is what you mean. This is true for you. And I think you absolutely have to believe in what you're selling. You might not be selling a product or a course or anything, but you have to believe in what you're selling, even if it's an idea or a principle. Well, exactly three years after I started coaching, I was invited to a very intimate kind of day long, I don't even know what you call it. it. It was like 12 of us that went to this horse farm and we were exposed to this concept, which I hadn't really heard of prior called congruency. And it's the basis for authenticity because congruency means if who you think you are and how you feel and what you believe on the inside, isn't what you're projecting on the outside. People may not be able to put their finger on it and really say, okay, that's the problem. What happens is they get this feeling that there's something weird going on here and I can't figure out what it is. I just know that I need to back away from it. Right. And once you start to learn how to, to manage that and make sure that what's on the inside is being projected on the outside, that's when your authenticity goes up. That's when your ability to to get people to recognize that you have a certain amount of authority and expertise in the field you're in is real because everything you're doing is coming from the inside. It's not you're making your out your exterior to look like what you want it to look like. It has to come from someplace. If it's not coming from the inside. You're going to get incongruity. And that's what causes people to always feel like I can't break through. You know, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm not getting the reaction I need. That's usually what the problem is. Everybody else around them has already figured out there's something wrong with this and, and we're not buying. Yeah. 
That, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. I like that idea of congruency leading to integrity and, and the, what's the word I'm looking for? Authenticity. Authenticity. Thank you. <laughs> Flying straight out of my brain today. One thing that you said that I, I wholeheartedly agree with that you said when we spoke before the show was about how important practices as being the way to get there. Is that also how you develop this congruence and authenticity? Yeah, practice for me is the, that's the next logical kind of livable step for people that are perfecting what they do, whether it's leading an organization, whether it's public speaking, whether it's anything else that requires an ongoing relationship building with people in your environment, in your community, marketplace, whatever geographic sphere you're trying to define. The practice element has to come in once you define who you are and what you do, you know, what's, what is your role? You'd be amazed at how many people that I work with and they're at very high levels in companies and we'll have these conversations. And I'll say, tell me what your role is really there for. And of course they go to the HR book and they give me their resume and all this kind of, I said, no, I don't want to hear that. Tell me what your, if I took your role away, how would your company suffer? And sometimes they can't tell me that they would suffer. And so then you have to say, all right, there's the problem. You're in a role that probably serves something really valuable for this company, but you haven't really dove into it and made it your own and actually extended the value of that role to the rest of the company. You're kind of a place sitter. And so when people are in that situation, the real idea is that let's figure out how to maximize how you show up in that role. And once you know what that looks like, it may be a little foreign at first. That's when practice comes in. That's when we have to start building a routine and rituals to help you internalize and develop the belief system that supports that role. Right. And it's the daily practice. It's doing things. It's repetition. It's over and over again. And for some people, it's a lot of mental work. It's a lot of, it's a lot of mantras. It's saying things that you want to internalize because you already know them. You just, it's not secondhand. It's like, it's, it's not muscle memory yet. And so that's where the practice helps to take what you've determined is real on the inside and have it come out seamlessly and, and flawlessly and with a lot of confidence and not ego driven confidence. I, I talk, it's, it, I call it inner confidence that it, it's mixed with a little bit of humility. You're confident, you know what you do well, you do it well all the time. But, but it's not boastful. You're able to pick yourself apart or, or take criticism in, in its proper fashion because inwardly, you know, you do this well. Sure. We yeah. can all improve. We can all take little tweaks here and there and modify what we do. But at its base, you know that you do what you do really well. And when people get to that point and you get in this daily routine, that's how you stay there. That's what keeps you from falling off the wagon. And because you look, you hear this all the time, they're entertainers, athletes, people that are in the public eye, they're riding high and all of a sudden something happens to them and they go away and you don't hear about them for years. And all of a sudden they pop up someplace else. It's, it's because people allow their heads to start changing the message about who they are and they lose sight of what they're doing and then they're down and out. Right. So it becomes more of a thing of trying to impress and trying to keep right. uh, your ego fed. Right. Rather than 
serving rather than caring about how other people feel or the emotions that you might be generating or simulating in them is more of a, it's that inner focus rather than the outer focus or right. it's the wrong kind and, of inner focus. Right. And, and I, I wish I could tell you the guru that coined this phrase, but somebody of that ilk many years ago said, if you want, if you want to be successful, help other people be, achieve their, that's paraphrasing it. Yeah. But if you're really confident, and, and this goes back to public speaking too, if you really know what your audience is looking for, give it to them, figure out a way to just wow them and make them feel like that the, the hour they spent with you is the best hour they've spent all week and it will come back to you. So it's all about taking what you know and figuring out how to help other people be successful with that. And you always have an audience. You'll always have an audience. One of the key things I think, especially in speaking, maybe not always in the sort of business settings, although I think it's still relevant, is the ability to take people on an emotional journey to engender particular feelings and emotions within them. And one of the things that you said that stood out to me when we chatted before was about having this natural ability to help people feel important. Tell me a bit more about what you mean by that and what that looks like. Well, that really works well in more of individual settings. So let's say you're going to a conference or something and you're getting a chance to meet a lot of people that you don't know. To me, the, the best thing you can do in those kind of environments is immediately take control of the dialogue, not by telling them who you are and all the great things you've done and giving them a business card and lapsing into your own sales pitch. The best thing to do is show immediate interest in them. Ask them something that gets them to think about themselves. One of the questions I find really interesting is after you figure out what somebody does, they tell you the name of their company or their occupation. Gee, that's interesting. How did you decide to go into that line of work? Word choice really matters in this kind of thing. How did you decide to go into that line of work? And all of a sudden people are just like, oh, wow, this is really good. I get to talk about myself and you yeah. get to learn about their motivations. And the things that are not just surface with them, but really things that allowed them to make really important choices in their life, which got them to where they are today. You can have a three or four minute conversation. And when you leave that, they will think you're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And all you've done is sat there and asked them a question to open them up and spent time listening to them. And if you really want to build this gravitas of someone who is influential, just be interesting and be interested. And if you yeah. can do that, but a lot of people have trouble with that because they're like, oh, I'm at this sales conference. I've got to, I got to hand out 50 business cards. I've got to get leads. So if I don't come back with, with a client, I'm going to be in trouble. No, that it's, those conferences are not about that. They're about relationship building. And the best thing you can do is leave an impression with everybody else that you're somebody that they want to get to know. And, and here's the benchmark for that. Earlier on, we were talking about how do you figure out when you've achieved clout? Well, how do you figure out when this is working? It's the number of times people will send you emails after it's over and say, wow, I really enjoyed talking with you, talking with you, right? You didn't said a thing. Can we meet? Can we have coffee? Can we get on Zoom? Whatever it happens. And that happens all the time. And that's a great way because now that they've got this interesting understanding of who you are and you haven't said a word yet. So there's a lot of influence that can be relayed in that one simple technique of Hey, just tell me how you decided to get into this and then just listen to what they have to say. Mm. It's a, an interesting, almost paradox for me of 
in a lot of professional environments that a lot of the people who get on and do very well are the people who talk most about what they're doing and it's like, oh, look what I've done. And oh, wow, I, I graded this. And, and the people who pipe up the most, uh, because often they're being noticed and, and perhaps just because it's easier to notice and not have to dive deep. It's like, okay, well, these people are showing me what they're doing. And so clearly they have drive, they have the intent and stuff like that. Whereas other people who may be really good at their job and perhaps be more introverted, keeping their heads down, doing the work, expecting to be rewarded, but not actually speaking up about it. I, I'm getting that. But in networking environments and in the sort of greater world, I think, if you go out into those environments with this, hey, look at me, aren't I amazing? Look what I've done and I can do this, this and this and here's my business card and come and work with me. Most people, unless they're very green, I think most people are going to back away from that, like you say, and, uh, and think, oh, hang on a minute, this is a bit needy. This is a bit, this is a bit intense. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the people who kind of are just more concerned about their relationship and say, oh, tell me more about what you do and showing real interest and seeing if there's any crossovers or maybe I can't help you, but I, you know what, you should speak to my friend and um, Absolutely. Or I'd, you know, I'd love to introduce business to you in the future if I find him. Just having those relationships, like you say, that's so much more powerful there. So it's interesting that's not necessarily the same in corporate environments a lot of the time, but in the business networking world and more entrepreneurial environments, uh, that is the case. Well, the folks that show up, as you've described, you know, big egos talk about themselves, their accomplishments, they do a lot of name dropping. The people that are most impressed with the, those folks are them. Right. I mean, they're, they're all impressed in their head about who they are. Many times people, like you said, if they're green to networking, they might be kind of awed about who they just, you know, spent time talking to. But most folks that have been around a while just recognize that for what it is. And I, and if I'm working with somebody that has, that's like that, that can be a very tough engagement to have because you have to be able to get them outside themselves to see how they're coming off without completely destroying the, the base that created that ego. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make them a bad person. It maybe is just a bad approach and, and one that they don't, like you said, they don't recognize what's going on. Right. And Sometimes it takes a bit, just a bit more work to get past that impression of them and, and see there, there is a real person under that. I mean, you have to work a bit harder to get to it sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Steve, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I know we have to, after a bit of time and we start drawing things to a close, but it's been really interesting. I, I've learned some things talking to you and, and it's been very valuable. Thank I you. want to ask for the benefit of our audience, if they want to find out more about you, what you teach and kind of stuff you should maybe share online. Where's the best place for them to come and connect with you? Um, the best place, if they want to learn more about my approach and the various things I can do with clients is to just to go to my website, it's growthsourcecoaching.com. And there I have a lot of videos and I have a lot of information. I try to give people as many things that they can try on their own and work with experiment on their own as possible. And because what I find is a lot of times people say, wow, this is really good, but I don't know if I can go this journey myself. So they'll come back and we'll talk about working together. But if they're the kind of the, the DIY folks that, that can take a tip and run with it, can't come, you know, get everything you can off the site. Cause that's why I put it up there. I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me on there. It's coach Steve or just Steve Smith. I know there's a lot of Steve Smiths, but you'll, you'll find because my yeah. pictures on there. But there's a lot of John balls as well. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the same problem. Yeah. Great. So I definitely recommend it as well. I mean, if you. 
if people haven't already got that impression, that one, which I'm sure they will have, that you clearly know a lot and, and you're someone who can help them and, and give them a lot of expertise and share your experience as well. I like to always ask my guests for a book recommendation. What would it be from you? Maybe related to what we've been talking about, maybe unrelated, maybe just a book that you've loved or that's had an impact on you, but what's your recommendation? Okay. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to give you two quick ones for people. I'm always allowed to. Okay. Here's the first one. If you're in a small business, solopreneur kind of occupation, and you have to rely a lot on networking and meeting people and, and presenting and coming off really well, first time out, this book is called Condense Them in 90 Seconds. And it's written by a gentleman named Nicholas Boothman. And he, he does speaking. I mean, he's a known quantity out there. He's not just somebody that wrote a book and went away, but this is a great book because he really tees up what it takes to make immediate contact with people, build rapport and have them like you right off. So for a lot of people that struggle with just, I don't want people not to like me. It's a great book you should read that. You'll learn a lot about just how to show up and how to deliver yourself. Great. The other book that I recommend for people that have been in management or leadership roles, fairly high up in companies for, for quite a while, it was written by one of the kind of master coaches here in the United States. His name is Marshall Goldsmith. He's written a, a litany of books, but this one I think was either his first or second out of the shoot. And it's called, what got you here won't get you there. And in his professional life, he, you know, interviewed thousands of executives you know, around the world that he had worked with. And he chronicled 23 different situations that executives get themselves into when they're interfacing with their team, with their company, with other people in their circle that they do that are off-putting, that cause people to either kind of step back or maintain distance or maybe lose trust. So it, I, I thought it was a fabulous read because you can look at that and say, oh my God, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. In fact, he even has a little test in the back of the book where you can figure right. out how many of these things that he's talking about you actually done. And it's a real eye opener in terms of, I don't need more education. I don't need more experience. What I need to do is tune up my professional interaction skills because that's what's holding me back. Some great recommendations. Marshall Goldsmith is definitely a very well-known, very well-known name in the world of coaching and uh, some books you've recommended today that I will be adding to my must read list. I appreciate that. <laughs> If there was just one thing that you would like to leave people today, and maybe the one thing they take away from this conversation, what would it be? Get to know yourself like everybody around you knows you. Get that almost, I kind of like to, it's probably not, not the best way to describe it, but it's kind of like having an out-of-body experience where you're in a dream and you're looking at, and you're down there with everybody else and you're seeing yourself as people around you see you. If you can develop the ability and the perspective to look at yourself that way, you will save yourself all kinds of professional and personal trauma because you're continually doing things that don't serve yourself well. And yet everybody around you sees what's going on, but very few people will actually step up and say, Hey, Steve, I don't know if you know this, but when you do that, everybody cringes. Everybody right. just wants to leave the room. Learn how to look at yourself the same way. And if you can develop that ability, and a lot of times it's not just sitting back and say, oh, gee, what did I do right and wrong? Sometimes it's asking other people in your immediate circle that you really value. Gee, you just saw what I did. How could I have done that better? 
and just learn to accept feedback on a regular basis, either direct like that or through observation. And if you can really, really hone that in and get comfortable with that, you will be amazed at how fast you will develop yourself in the direction you want to go. Yeah. And it's important to move past that idea that feedback is criticism. It's actually food for growth. And I think that's some great, that's some totally. great advice that you give there as well. And a great point to end things today. Steve Smith, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you and uh, a great show. So I really appreciate you coming and being my guest on Speaking Influence. Thank you. Johnny, thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. A special thank you to our sponsors, Brandface. Remember, you can find out more about Brandface by visiting learnaboutbrandface.com. If you've enjoyed the show, then please consider the price of the show being sharing it out with your friends and network. It's how the show grows, and we certainly appreciate your shares and your shout outs. There are plenty more amazing guests lined up for future shows, so do make sure you are subscribed for our future episodes. It's easy to do, and there's a good chance that you have your device in your hand right now. And if you're listening on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, then it's really easy to leave a review for the show. So please consider doing that. You can leave us a star rating on Spotify. You can actually leave us a bit of feedback on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing and if there's anything we can do to even improve the show and make it better for you. Very soon, I'll be bringing you my interview with Grant Baldwin. He is the host of the Speaker Lab podcast and also the author of the successful Speaker book, both of which I thoroughly enjoy. That was a great conversation and I was really thrilled that Grant took some time out of his busy schedule to come and speak to me on Speaking Influence. So do keep an eye out for that show coming to you very soon. I'll look forward to connecting with you again very soon. In the meantime, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make great things happen.